So I've got a mirror here. Is any, am I blinding anybody with that? Oh, okay. um, I've got a mirror here because this, um, and that's going to be in the way. I'm not going to be able to see you. Um, this week in, in staff meeting, we were, um, we were talking about, actually it was a little breakfast that we had over at the fishes. We're sitting around, we were talking about, um, I think it was Andrew that brought it up. He was like, what if we had a way to, um, to put facial recognition software into a mirror, into our mirrors at home. And when you walk by it, it sees you, it recognizes you. And, and then it begins to speak out encouragement to you. We're just talking about the need for encouragement, the need for, you know, calling out who we are. I was like, that's genius. So I started developing a, uh, a plan. So this, this is a prototype. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Um, I don't want to blind anybody. Um, but, uh, but I thought, man, that's a great business idea. So, so um, I, but I, I just been thinking about that all week and it kind of went along with what the Lord was already speaking to me uh, just about um, regarding each other according to the spirit, not according to the flesh. Um, but wouldn't, wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great to have a, a mirror and, and you walk by and it's like, Jason, you know, I, I walk by this mirror. It's like, Hey, Hey Jason. I'm like, yeah, mirror. It's like, you're such a great dad. You're such, you're such a great husband, man. You're an awesome pastor. You just love people so well. I'd be like, thank you, mirror. Appreciate that mirror. Or, or I walk by and it, it just whistles me at me as I walk by and I'm like, hey. And it's like, hey, good looking. Yeah. Yeah. You've, you've lost a little weight. Well, as a matter of fact, Mary, yes, I have. I have lost a little bit of weight. Thank you. Thank you for noticing. Or, or we could, maybe we could be a little bit more spiritual about it and we could just, you know, <laughs> we, could, we could have it, uh, program it to say things like, hey, Jason, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You, you are completely favored by the Lord. There's actually nothing you can do today to earn his favor any more than what you've already got with him. I mean, that would be awesome, right? To have a mirror like that. I was thinking we could call it like the God's eye mirror, something like that. Is that good? Or maybe the empowerment mirror. Wouldn't that be cool? But guys, the reality is we already have this. This, God's already created an, an invention and it's called the body of Christ. It's called the church. That's what we're meant to do, right? That's what we're meant to do. We're meant to see each other. I I actually have, I don't know if you guys have this. I actually have facial recognition software built into me. When I look at Kim, that's my wife, Kim Church. I recognize her. Isn't that amazing? And, And I actually have a voice activation process inside of me. When I see her, I call out the things that I see in her. And I see her according to the Spirit, and I call out the things that I see in her according to the Spirit. We have it built into us, guys. Isn't that awesome? So I just, I thought that was really cool. Um, but um, I, I was also uh, looking through Scripture, because I thought the whole mirror concept, I, just, I was intrigued by this whole mirror concept. And I, I found this, this passage in 2 Corinthians 3.13 that mentions a mirror in the next, next verses here down the road. But for context for this, Moses would go up into the mountain to, uh, to encounter the Lord and to, 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 to receive the law from God. And when he did that, he actually would begin to glow. The presence of the Lord, the glory of the Lord would reflect off of him. 
and he would physically manifest the glory of God. So much so that as he was walking, as he walked down the mountain, and as he was there with the people of Israel, his face was still, even though he was not in the presence of the Lord, his face was still reflecting the glory of God so much that they couldn't look on it. The people couldn't look on it. Guys, we're talking about the Old Covenant. We're talking about the Old Testament. <laughs> and, and so what, what does it say here? It says, we are not like Moses who used to put a veil over his face so that the sons of Israel would not look intently at the end of what was fading away. I mean, to me, I'm like, that's pretty awesome, the fa- fact that his face was glowing. But it says, we're not like that. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, that's all of us, when we've turned to the Lord, when we have encountered Jesus, the veil is actually taken away. Have you ever heard that? The veil's been removed? The veil has been removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There's freedom. We all, that's all of us, we all with unveiled faces beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord... We're getting that reflection. We're reflecting out the glory of the Lord and being transformed actually into the exact same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. Is that awesome? That is amazing. Now, I I know that many of us may be thinking, "Um, I don't know that I'm going from glory to glory. I kind of feel like I'm going from paycheck to paycheck. I feel like I'm going from one screw up to the next screw up. I feel like I, I just, you know, I, I, don't, I don't feel like I'm going from glory to glory. Well, your reality, I want to I talk about your reality this morning. Your reality is that objects in the mirror are closer than they appear. That glory of the Lord, that reflection of the Lord, is, is, it's better than you imagine. You're shining brighter than you imagine. And, and I want us as a body of Christ to be speaking out and encouraging, saying, hey, you're better than you look. <laughs> you're, better, you're better than you think you look. Yeah. All right? So therefore, from now on, we're not, we're not going to recognize anyone according to the flesh. Even though we have even known Christ in this way, according to the flesh, yet now we know him in this way no longer. And I got to thinking about this. We have known Christ in the flesh, and I was thinking about this all through worship, how important it is for, uh, for us to not to rega- just regard each other according to the flesh, but it starts with Christ, doesn't it? Yeah. And, and I, I was having a hard time, actually. I, I, to be honest, I've, I've really kind of keyed in on, there from now on, we no, no longer recognize each other in the flesh. I've kind of I've focused on that most of my life, and I think I just kind of didn't really understand what it was talking about. <laughs> Even though we've known Christ according to the flesh, I never really paid much attention to that just because it was like, I don't know what that means. I know what the other part means. But when you think about who wrote this, this was Paul that wrote this. And um, he really knew Christ according to the flesh, didn't he? His filter was very fleshly, how he, how he began to perceive Christ in the beginning. And, and so if you're not familiar with the story of Paul, I wanted to read the story of Paul to you, okay? Um, and his conversion into, uh, from, from, from seeing Jesus according to the flesh to seeing him with spiritual eyes. It says, meanwhile, and this is from Acts 9, 1 through 22. Meanwhile, Saul, later called Paul, 
was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. I would say that's regarding Christ according to the flesh, wouldn't you? That's pretty fleshly, uh, pretty not, not having a very good perspective on who Jesus was. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. This is, this is what he thought about Jesus. In his, according to his own earthly mindset, he evaluated who Jesus was, and he said, this is who I believe Jesus to be, according to my calculations, according to my understanding. But then here's what happened. As he approached Damascus on, uh, on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him, and he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. He didn't recognize him, did he? He didn't recognize Jesus. Yeah, it's funny, I was, I was, as I was preparing this, I kept saying Saul on the road to Emmaus <laughs> instead of Saul on the road to Damascus, and then, and then Wesley mentioned uh, the, the road to Emmaus and, and how the, the recognition of Jesus happened on a road. I think there might be something to that. Anyway, um, so he says, who are you, Lord? He says, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you, what you must do next. The men with Saul that were, that were with him stood speechless for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but they saw no one. Saul picked himself off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. Those fleshly eyes that he had been evaluating Jesus from, they got blinded, didn't they? So his companions had to lead him by the hand to Damascus, and he remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. And then we're going to fast forward down to verse 17, where a Christian named Ananias is sent by God to heal Saul. So Ananias went and he found Saul. He laid his hands on him and he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and he was baptized. Just like you, Kendi, on October 3rd. <laughs> I, I, think it's, I think it's significant that he was immediately baptized um, it's just the, the power of baptism and the importance of baptism. Afterward, he ate some food and regained his strength. Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days. So we're looking at a total of about six days, it sounds like, from I'm going to kill the Christians to this. Immediately, he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogues, saying, he is indeed the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed. They said, isn't this the same man who caused such devastation among Jesus' followers in Jerusalem? And didn't he come here to arrest them in chains lead, and, uh, and take them in chains to the leading priests? Saul's preaching became more and more powerful, and the Jews in Damascus, listen to this, they couldn't even refute his proofs that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? And I think this is such a picture of what, what Jesus has actually done for you and me. He's actually done it for you and me. We did, and, and you may not have had as dramatic of a, 
uh, of a shift from I'm going to kill all the Christians in the whole world, you know, to um, they can't even they can't even argue with me about how Jesus is the Messiah. But we have all had this conversion, and, and we're going to get into later that we're not going to make a distinction between Paul and you and me. It's the same Christ that lives in you and me. Little little uh, spoiler alert there. Um, but um, it's the same it's the same process. I saw Jesus in one way before I became a Christian. And then when I encountered Jesus, when I saw Jesus, it changed. My old, my old way of thinking about him, I became blind to that way of thinking, and I saw him fresh in a new way. Amen? And you did too. Um, so what I want us to do is I want us to no longer regard each other according to the flesh either. We all have stepped into this new way of life. We've all stepped into this new way of seeing Jesus and encountering Jesus and being with Jesus. And I want us to be able to, in a fresh way, um, regard each other according to that new way of thinking and that new life. But what does it mean to regard each other according to the flesh? One of the things, I think it's just regular human thinking versus supernatural thinking. It's regular human thinking. Um, another version of 2 Corinthians 5.16 says, so, that, so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. So it's this just kind of natural human point of view that sometimes we look at other people. And, and I, was, I was looking at some of the ways that we do this, just um, even uh, from an economic standpoint. Um, tall people, did you know that tall people on average make about $5,000 more per year? Than shorter people? That's kind of weird, I think. Kids, do you think that's weird? Why do tall people make more money? It doesn't make sense, right? But it's just how we have evaluated people from this human point of view. Um, overweight people, they make about five to $8,000 less than skinnier people. Weird. Blonde females, they make more money, about 7% more. I'm sorry, ladies with dark hair, they make, and now this isn't, this isn't for you guys to go out and dye your hair or anything like that or try and stretch yourself and make yourself taller so you can make more money. I'm just talking about how weird it is how we evaluate people from this human point of view. Women who wear makeup make about 30% more than, than women who don't wear makeup. I know, it's weird. It's weird. So there's just, there's just weird things that our minds do as humans, aren't there? Um, but another, another way that we evaluate each other or regard each other according to flesh, is just due to familiarity and seasons of life. Um, I think about this with my kids, and it's, that's probably one of the most obvious things is, is how we look upon our kids because there's such a dramatic transition, right? When, when kids, kids are, are growing, um, they're just kind of growing by leaps and bounds. And as adults, I don't know, we should be growing by leaps and bounds, shouldn't we? But, but um, it doesn't seem to happen that way as much. So when I look at Seth in his lovely red hat. I'm not going to regard you according to the flesh and that crazy red hat that you're wearing that looks like Jesse the yodeling cowgirl. What I'm going to do is I'm going to evaluate you according to the spirit and, um, and see you as the worship leader that you are. I'm not going to see you as, as 10-year-old Seth who maybe even struggled with, with, with getting up and reading the Bible in, in public because that was a struggle for you. I'm not going to see you in that way. I'm going to see you as the 19-year-old the worship leader that you are. 
who did an awesome job on Friday leading worship. I, I, I'm not going to see my, my other son, Levi, as, you know, traditionally, and, and, and this is not saying much, um, he's the quietest one in our, our house. That's not much saying much because we're a pretty loud house. Um, but that's not the way I look at, at, at Levi because the Lord has been very specific with me that Levi has powerful words that he needs to speak. He has a, a roar of a lion inside of him. And I, <laughs> I can't regard him according to past seasons of his life. I can't regard him according to um, who he was when he was younger. And I'm glad that I don't get regarded according to who I was our first year of marriage. I don't think I was that great of a husband. I don't think I was that great of a leader in our home. And I didn't have the skill sets. I didn't have whatever. Um, and, and, but Kim doesn't regard me according to that past season. She regards me according to the spirit. And I'm so thankful for that. So I, it's important that we don't regard each other according to past seasons and, and just getting really familiar with, with people to the point where we, we can't see who, who God has created them to be. Um, limitations is another, another way that we regard people according to flesh. I, I mean, how many of you guys know that we, we don't think like God in our natural ways, right? He is infinite. Our human minds, our natural minds are, are limited in, in thinking. And so um, when uh, the, the Lord has just been really working with me on um, showing me different, um, I call them indicator lights, like on a dashboard. And, and when I say something, um, he highlights that to me and says, oh, there's something going on under the hood. There's something going on that you need to pay attention to. And um, this whole area of limitations, this is something I've seen in, uh, more in myself, but I think the Lord is, is turning that, that, that I want to start seeing where I am limiting other people and not just limiting myself. But I'll, I'll limit myself and say, well, I, just, I guess I'm just going to have to. That's the phrase. That's, that's a cue. I guess I'm just going to have to uh, take out a loan because I don't have the money. I guess I'm just going to have to um, step away from that relationship because I, I don't know what to do. I guess I'm just going to have to. And so it's all about the limitations that I'm putting. But what does God say? He says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's pretty not limiting, isn't it? <laughs> That's extremely not. I can do how many things? All things. There was a, a kid's song that we used to sing. How many things can you do? All things. How many things can you do? All things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Um, and then this one. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. And then it goes on to say, to him be the glory in the church forever. Um, but look at this, now to him who is able, that's God, to do immeasurably, that's limitless, right? That's infinite. He can do immeasurably, I can't measure it, more than all we can ask or imagine. I can imagine a lot of stuff. I have a great imagination. And God can do infinitely more than that. I can think about a lot, lot of stuff. I like to sit around and think about stuff. But all that I can think about, all that I can ask for, he can do infinitely more than that. And it's according to his power that is at work where? Within us. Within us. That's within you. That's within me. So when you read this, I want us to start reframing this. Because I, when I read this, and I don't know, maybe you're not as, as self-centered as I am. I'm thinking about it, about me. 
I'm thinking to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we can ask or imagine according to his power that has worked within me. Oh, wait, that says us. That says us. So when I look at it, I'm thinking, oh, wow, what can he do in Tim? What can he do in Ricky? What can he do in Daniel? I'm, I'm thinking about what can he do that's, it's limitless. Another way that we regard each other according to the flesh is looking at our old life. Um, here's a continuation on from verse 16 um, in, in 2 Corinthians 5. It says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And, and so there, there's, no, there's no looking back. It's dead and gone. There is a new life. And Jesus um, was a good example of, of how to regard people according to the Spirit. That's good, right? Should be, we, we should think he's a pretty good example. Um, and, and when you look at how he treated Matthew, for example, Matthew was a tax collector, um, probably considered by most of the Jews to be uh, kind of the worst of the worst. He was a traitor you know, to his people, considered a traitor to his people, uh, considered a cheat and a thief. You know, that was typical of, of a tax collector back in that day. They, that's what they were considered. Um, not probably who we, if we're regarding people according to the flesh, I wouldn't be like, hmm, who do I want to write the very first gospel in that's, that's written in the New Testament? Hmm, I think I'll, I'll pick that guy who, who is considered a, a cheat and a thief and a traitor to his people, you know? But he didn't do that. He saw him not in the old life, but in the new life. And then, and Peter, it's like, who am I going to pick to lead the church? Um, so I'm going to be leaving, and I, and I need to pick someone who is going to lead the church. Who has the best credentials? How about this fisherman who's kind of a loudmouth? I think he would be a really great option to be leader. It's not who we would pick when, when we're thinking naturally in the flesh. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Jesus doesn't see us according to our old life. He regards us according to our new life in the spirit. And then uh, this, this, is the, this is a biggie right here. Human divisions and distinctions. Um, we, we separate people out, don't we? Just naturally. It's very natural for us to do. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying it's natural for us to, to make distinctions by, um, by, by race. Here's, but Jesus said there's no distinction between Jew and Gentile. It's the same Lord. The same Lord is Lord over all, abounding uh, in riches for all who call on him. So, um, you know, I, I like to say I love the me I see in you. I stole that from, from uh, Danny Silk. I love the me I see in you. Meaning, I love what's familiar. I love, I love um, how, you're, how you're like me, and I think that's great about you. <laughs> that's our natural thinking, isn't it? Yeah. It's where we naturally go. It's what's familiar. It's what's comfortable. It's what's natural. But we're not called to be natural, are we? We're called to be supernatural. And we're called to walk this out where it says there is actually no, no distinction between Jew and Greek or Jew and Gentile, for the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on him. So how does this happen? How do we step into this dis no distinction between Jew and, and Gentile? I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. 
Well, that's the same for you, isn't it? Yeah. It doesn't matter how different you are from me. You're dead. I'm dead. Christ lives in you. Christ lives in me. That's pretty unifying, isn't it? That's how the unity happens, is because I died. The way we unify is we die. <laughs> unify, you die. You die, you unify. So therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh. I actually can't recognize your flesh. Why? Because it's dead. I recognize no one according to the flesh because your flesh is dead. My flesh is dead. It's just Christ in you and Christ in me. How awesome is that? That's a great game plan. Good job. Good job, Lord. I love that. I regard you according to the Spirit, and I see that it's Christ who lives in you. Uh, you probably can't read that, can you? It says, there is no junior Holy Spirit. This is something that we, we say all the time around here. There's, new, there's no junior Holy Spirit, and it's this whole concept of it's the same Jesus that's in the kids that's in me. The Holy Spirit works in, in you kids just the same as he works in me. There's no difference. But guys, let's expand that out. There's no AARP Holy Spirit, is there? Right? I mean, come on. If, if we're going to say it's for the kids, it's for everybody. Right? There is no rich man Holy Spirit. There's no poor person Holy Spirit. There's no single person Holy Spirit and married person Holy Spirit. There's no distinction. He doesn't make any distinction. There's no white person Holy Spirit, black person Holy Spirit. There's no distinction. Dead is dead. New creation is new creation. Right? Amen? All right. Cool. Well, to wrap up, I, I want us to, um, and Sean, can, if you can make your way up here, um, I, I just want to talk about how do we really, in a practical way, step into this, not regarding each other according to the flesh. Going back to, to the whole passage, the whole mirror passage and the Moses passage, it says, whenever a person turns to the Lord, that's repentance. Whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. There's freedom. So here's the process. We repent. We, we, we turn away. And well, not turn away. It's we turn to the Lord. But in that, we're turning away from our regarding each other according to the flesh. That's what happens. But we turn to the Lord. The veil is taken away. We encounter the glory of the Lord. And there's freedom from all that stuff that was holding us back. Does that sound like a great plan? I'm telling you. I mean, God, he knows what he's doing. Um, so I want, us, I want us to just take a few minutes, and, and what we're going to do is, is just um, ask the Lord to show us these places of, uh, that He wants us to surrender, places He wants us to repent and, and turn away from, from fleshly thinking, turn away from regarding each other according to the flesh, and turn to Him. So Lord, we, just, we come to you right now, and Holy Spirit, I just, I just ask that you come. And I just pray that you'd speak to each person individually right now. Show us, show us Jesus. Show us where you are, are wanting us to, to turn to you. 
Show us where we have, have not been regarding our, our family according to the Spirit, but we've been regarding them according to the flesh. Show us, Jesus, where we've been holding back people, where we've been limiting people, and you want to release your limitless power into their lives. And you actually want to do us to do that. You want to, you want to use us to do that, Lord. Show us those places, God, that where you have where you're, you're wanting to um, us to speak out to those around us the new life that you have, that you have called them into. Show us, show us Lord, how you want us to be the, uh, <laughs> the God's eye view mirror, the empowerment mirror with facial recognition software built in, seeing who you've created each person around us to be and calling that out in them. Open the eyes of our heart, Lord. Open the eyes of our heart, God. Yeah, just encounter the Lord in this place. Let him show you. Let him show you those, even those indicator lights. those things that you, you say out loud or in your mind that's an indication of, oh, wait a second. That's regarding someone according to the flesh, not according to the spirit. How do, you want, how do you want to see them, Lord? How do you want me to speak to them, Lord? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. I just want to read Ephesians 2, 4 through 10 over us. This is something that uh, Wesley, part of what Wesley was preaching about a couple weeks ago. But I want us to read it in light of the people around us, our family. As we read it, I want us to, to consider uh, your kids, your wife, your parents, I want you to consider the people around you, not read it necessarily from the perspective of this is what God has done for me, this is what God is calling me into, but to regard others in this. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you've been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and he seated us with him in heavenly realms because we're united with Christ Jesus. Your kids who are bugging you right now, they're actually seated with Christ in heavenly places. Your parents who you may be frustrated with right now, they're actually seated with Christ in heavenly places. As we regard them according to the Spirit, according to who they really are, shifts happen. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all that he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. You've got examples around you right now of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness 
God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for this. I can't take credit for the salvation that God has given me. It's a gift from God. It's not a reward for the good things that I've done. So I can't boast. You can't boast. I can't look at you and say, oh man, you do that stuff so much better than me. You walk in this stuff so much better than I do. Gosh, no. His salvation is a gift. His salvation is a gift. So none of us can boast about any of this. We are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ. We can do the good things that he's planned for us long ago. Jesus, we just thank you so much. We thank you, God, for for all that you've done, not just in me, but in all those around me. I thank you, Lord, that, that you didn't just save the me, you saved us. I thank you, Lord, that you are shifting us out, even right now, you're shifting us out of an independent mindset and into a community mindset, into the way you designed family, the family of God, to regard each other according to the Spirit and not regard each other according to the flesh, not see each other and hold each other in old patterns, but to call each other out into new places in you. We receive, Lord, all that you've done. We ask, Lord, that you would um, continue to work in our hearts, Lord. Let this not be the only time that we read these scriptures this week. I pray that you would just even stir in each one of our hearts. I know I, know I have this hunger to keep going back to these scriptures, Lord, and, and, and meditate further, Lord, on your goodness and, and on ways to... to regard others in the way that you see them. Pray that you continue to stir all of our hearts this week to do that, Lord. Jesus, we just love you and we bless you. We see you, not according to the flesh, Lord, but we we see you with new eyes. We thank you, Lord, that you, you have made a way for encounter to you. You've made the way for us to reflect your goodness to be like mirrors that reflect your glory. Lord, as we go out this week, I pray that you would would shine through each one of us in the way that you have designed us to shine. That the world would see your goodness through us and see the reflection. And we would not put on a veil, Lord, but we would lift the veil, Lord, so that they can see clearly your glory shining through us. Jesus' name, let it be. Amen. Amen. He's good.